this week on the podcast, we found a leaf that gave us a flying raccoon suit. Stay tuned. Welcome to On the Upbeat. I'm Matt. I'm RJ Phoenix. And today, today, I don't know if you've listened to those other shows we've done. This is the show. This is the show. I, I don't, I, I, I always do that. I've realized, Matt, I always say like, this is a good one. Have we ever put out a dud episode, Matt? I don't know. We'd have to ask the viewers. Viewers, what was the shittiest Listen. episode we've made? <laughs> it's uh I'm okay if you say any of the episodes one through twenty. I, I will. I will let How you say that that is fine. Dare you, <laughs> you son of a bitch? Because <laughs> obviously, uh, the earlier episodes have way less. Uh, well, one, they have way less RJ. Two, they have oh, way. So yeah, nobody is talking about Dan Pothast every fifteen minutes. <laughs> and two, they also have not as many interviews uh, because we were. Still trying to get our feet and trying to figure out how to schedule stuff like that. We're yeah. established now. But yeah. No, this is a really great episode. We have uh, yes. Agent J yes. from the Slackers, Crazy Bald Head, a whole bunch of other things. You, If you don't know who he is, you will know by the end of this episode. And you'll be in awe that we landed such a great guest for this show. Oh, I got to say real quick. Um, yeah, what up? The uh, opening line this week was actually written by one of our... Uh, Patreon subscribers, Casey. So, Casey, thanks for, for the opening line. Um, see, that's that's something if, you know, if you join our Patreon, which not only get... You can write get, jokes for Matt. You can write jokes for Matt when he's too lazy to write himself. <laughs> so, you can pay me to write... <laughs> pay me, pay to, me write. To, to, and to do your... Wait, you can pay me to do work. That's, that's the way it's going. But uh, for those of that don't know, we do have a Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash on the upbeat ska. Uh, $4 a month gets you uh, two bonus episodes, access into uh, our private Facebook account where we talk about stuff like opening lines and, and, and stuff and how the shows are going and whatnot. And also the occasional, like we had uh, just last Friday, the occasional well, the Zoom, Zoom hangout. Zoom yeah. hangout uh, there were like six of us in total. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a good time. So about half of the people that were Patreon people. Yeah. Um, That's so, actually a good turnout. Yeah. Uh, it was exciting. I wasn't there. I was too busy. Yeah. So. RJ was like, this is stupid. I don't want to. I did out. not say this is stupid. Yeah. In fact, I said I could make ones in the future. Just not that one. Yeah. I, uh-uh. well, as I told the, the people who, who were able to show up yeah at the time i'm captain last minute with some stuff so i'm just like hey i want to do this in a week and a half are you free <laughs> and- it wasn't that it was last minute it's just that uh anytime you would have asked me if you would ask me two months out i would have been yeah i can't do that weekend. <laughs> oh right it was the yeah it kind of was the particular yeah. weekend but still yeah. i i'm yeah. not surprised when people when i ask people hey what are you doing right now and they have to <laughs> say no to my ingenious ideas but so- um so yeah we we had a good chat uh it was nice meeting everyone we played um first we played <laughs> we i have it right here um we played oh i did uh, where'd it go we played mad libs and i oh wow we did now obviously the mad lib itself was not ska related but we tried as hard as we could to do 
um, like ska Mad Libs. Oh, I thought I had it. I thought I left it here. Oh, well. But it ended up being pretty funny. Um, nice. Just trying to use all the, right, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, you didn't want to repeat. So, like, the first person who got adjective was, like, skanking. Like, yeah. And then everyone's like, son of a bitch. Like, that yeah. was really, oh. <laughs> Now I'm out. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty fun. So, yeah. Um, yeah, how's your week been? Uh, it's been good. I do. I do have a question for you, Matt. Is is there things you will do for a Klondike bar? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, that you will do for your significant other or your kids that you wouldn't necessarily do for yourself. Give me like an example. Would you drive an hour, one hour there, one hour back for just a hot dog, a sandwich and a slice of cake? For yourself, or would you do it for your kids or or your your wife? Probably, I would probably only do it for myself if other people were going. Like if they're like just on a whim, I'm not going to drive an hour like someplace to eat food. No matter yeah. if even if it's my favorite. Like if the nearest In and Out. But what if it was? What if it was your wife's favorite food? Sure. Um, yeah, you're doing it in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily like under any circumstance but well, for the most part like yeah if i wanted to plan like a special thing sure oh yeah so same way i wouldn't do it for myself but when my wife is like i want portillo's for lunch like she said on saturday mm. that's an hour drive <laughs> wow there and yeah. back <laughs> portillo's and why do i know that name is because that... it's over near you it's in orange county <laughs> Is that is it's like a Chicago? Yes, exactly. Chicago hot dog. It's Italian in Buena Park, sandwiches. right? Yeah, Buena Park. Yep. So you were literally <laughs> near my house. Didn't like I'm gonna swing by Matt's because I know he lives in this general area. You were probably 20 minutes from my house at one point. Oh yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: if if uh, when 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 we were halfway there is when Allison's like, I forgot to. Bring were my you mask. living on a prayer when you were halfway there? No, even start. <laughs> Uh, Alice is like, oh, I forgot to bring my mask. So then we knew we couldn't go in and sit down. So the, the, there's like a bunch of stores right there. You could have walked in and bought one. Oh, we didn't even think of that. We just <laughs> we just there for the hot dogs and the Italian beef. Man. Well, actually, we I not too long ago went by there. I thought they were only doing drive through. Uh, no, they had people in there, but they had a uh, sign on the door. Masks required. And we right. didn't see them enforcing it. Well, we, we didn't see anyone go in and out. What wasn't wearing a mask. Right. So we figured they were enforcing it or else we probably would have been like, yo, hey, you want to come meet us and get some hot dogs? Yeah. And I love how the CDC has said, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear masks. But like Governor Newsom says not so fast. <laughs> yeah. And I think everyone's <laughs> feeling is like, mm, I hear you, CDC, but I don't know if we're there yet. Now that we got this new Delta variant, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my thing. I, I would not drive an hour for food for myself. But if it's Allison wants to go to Portillo's, yeah, yeah, let's get in the car. I'll even drive. Mm. Yeah. How, how did you guys know of the place? How did you, is there? No, we've been before. But uh, and, and they're all over Chicago. That's okay. like a Chicago thing. Yeah. So, so the when, is the only one here in like Southern California? Buena yeah, Park. pretty much. Yep. Now, Park. I, I went there once. I yeah. actually we went there. It was it was before the pandemic, obviously. Um, 
and i've been there during the pandemic especially early on in the pandemic when i could get there in a half hour oh yeah when like no that, that was yeah i miss those days where like no one was on the road <laughs> my wife like when she was still sort of like because my wife's work they work in an office so like they yeah. would like take turns of who could be in the office and all that stuff yeah that's what i did at the beginning yeah so like so she was like I she had the lead. She takes normally takes like forty five minutes to to get to work. Ouch. She she was doing it in like twenty five at one point, yeah. like during yeah. the pandemic. She's like, now it's back to normal, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I went there, so it was like I think it was the end of two thousand nineteen when when um, the Rise of Skywalker was coming out, and we went to a nearby okay. theater to see it, and that's where we went to eat yeah. beforehand. My friend, nice. uh, my friend really loves that place, and yeah, it's pretty good food. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I, get the Italian beef sandwich if you haven't before. It's delicious. Yeah, I think I got like a all beef hot dog or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Chicago dog. Yeah. Put all this shit on it. Yeah. Well, I tend to not like. It's iffy. Like I, I can like. So I don't like chili with beans. And from my understanding, chili is not supposed to have beans. But a lot of people do put beans on chili, and I don't like. It's one of those things, man. So I. So for me, chili has to have meat. Or it's not chili. I don't. I don't do like this is bean chili. No, that's not chili. Put a meat. Even give me a fake meat. <laughs> yeah. it can't be all beans. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I usually avoid chili unless like someone I know is making it uh, yeah. that I can go without feeling like a bad person. Like, yeah. does do you have be- do you put beans in your chili? Because I don't really like beans. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big Chicago dog fan. You yeah. Got the, that's. Except for the sport peppers. I don't do the spicy. But, you know, you got the pickle, you got the tomato, you got the relish, you got the celery I can salt. Take a, I can take a, I would say I take a little bit more spice than, like, your average, like, Californian person. <laughs> All right, then uh, go, go, go to Portillo. Actually, I'm going to refra- rephrase the- that. Not California person, white person. California uh- <laughs> white person. Uh, and, and get the, uh, the spicy jardinere on your Italian beef. I don't know. It sounds like that might be too spicy. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Like, okay. I mean, I, I eat it no problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. I'm Midwest. I'm not even that. I'm not even that. that in all right. Food. All right. Enough about <laughs> spicy hot dogs. Hey. Um, all right. Let's get into some ska news. Rude girls and rude boys too. Grab that frightens and mess it to what we're telling you. Yes, Ska News, where we tell you about the latest releases and information about the Ska community. All right, so first up, uh, our friends in Stop the Presses, uh, they released... um, When did they release this? Like, last week, wasn't it? Just on Friday. It's uh, like a... It's some of their old demos. Yeah, so they they have a uh, an EP that they call um, they this is the second volume. Only mm-hmm. right left uh, volume two. They did volume one mm, back in like right at the end of twenty twenty. Was it sometime during twenty twenty? It was after COVID yeah. shutdown stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're releasing volume two, uh, the final volume of their rarity collection for very raw unreleased tracks that showcase 
our bands, uh, the band's many influences, ska and punk and surf rock. Uh, Volume 2 is streaming on Spotify Spotify and available on for free download at stopthepressesmusic.bandcap.com. So uh, we're going to check out a song here called After Hours. Uh, yeah, let's take a listen. She sleeps all day so she can party all night. The bitch is vampire just looking to bite. At 2 a.m. when she arrives at the club. Watch out cause she's looking to suck out all of your blood. She's coming out the scenery. definitely like that song yeah it's a fun little one yeah it's always interesting to hear like bands like early days Um, yeah yeah i mean it's always sometimes it's hit and miss and some bands shouldn't put out their early stuff because it's not there's there's some bands uh that uh put out their early stuff and about 75 percent of it is is great and uh, you love it, and you keep saying, put more out, and then they eventually do. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Never mind. Oh. Put it back. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I shouldn't have pressed you. <laughs> uh, and they have a pretty cool, uh, on that, on this uh, EP um, of Rarities, they have a pretty cool uh, cover of uh, Rock Lobster. Yeah, yeah, so, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I forget that that song has, like, ska vaguely in it. Like, it's so so random. You know, the songs that you, you listen to, and then you realize, oh, I was listening to Ska before I knew I yeah. was listening to Ska. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. Um, all right. So next up, um, uh, Huntington Beach, you know, out here in Orange County band, uh, The Readjusters. Um, on Monday, June 7th, The Readjusters dropped a new song on Spotify called uh, Race Against Time. And uh, we're going to check that out right now Rose you're the most amazingly astounding wonderful girl woman that I've ever known I'm not an idiot I know how the world works but I'm too involved now you jump I jump remember every night in my dreams I see um, I don't have the heart to tell them that this this is a Celine Dion track. I was I wonder if there was a mix up at Spotify. It's so weird. I mean, I don't want to be a gatekeeper or anything, but this isn't very this isn't very ska. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I kid. I kid. I figured you know I can't always just uh you know mock rj maybe maybe gotta get the bands like get them you know they're gonna listen to oh we're they're gonna play my song they're gonna play my song yeah and then no but of course i'm a gentleman um 
and a man of my word. And let's check out that track right now. If I <laughs> this poor band. Stay. Oh my gosh. I want them all to know and the I listeners too. This is all Matt's doing. I, 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 don't, I don't even know these shenanigans are going to go on. <laughs> okay, okay. Just kidding. Here, here we go. For real. Race Against Time. New song by the Readjusters. a good such a good song uh i really love all the stuff they've been putting out lately uh for those of you who don't know uh the lead singer of this band jack um he also plays trombone in half past two and uh helps write a lot of their songs too um and uh yeah jack is a, an amazing songwriter and just you know, very versatile from the stuff I've seen him do, like with Half Past Two, because this sounds nothing like ha- Half Past oh, Two. Oh, yeah, so, no. Like, you know, there's a lot of skill there. Um, yes. All right. All right. Sorry, I got to cue something else up here. Um, next up, Malambo Ska Band. Uh, they dropped their new uh, EP early. It's actually on Bandcamp right now. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp, but yeah. uh, I don't know if there's going to be a physical release or what's yeah. going on. But yeah, officially, yeah, it comes out uh, on Friday. Actually, um, maybe it, it goes live on other streaming services. Yeah, on it actually says June 12th, which is Saturday. So, oh, Saturday. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, <laughs> maybe it's going live on on uh, other platforms. But right now. Uh, as you're listening to this, I'm assuming everyone listens to this podcast the moment it drops. So, oh, yeah, you're, you're, so. you're listening to it on Wednesday. Uh, so right now, you can go to Bandcamp, uh, their Bandcamp, and we'll put a link in the notes. Uh, you can go to their Bandcamp right now and uh, get the new EP. And uh, we we are four out of the five songs we are sure are covers that are on. Oh, definite covers. I I know all the actually original versions of the other four songs. (laughs) This, this song that we're playing, we're not sure is a cover. Yeah. So, um, this could be an original. Yeah. So, all right, let's check it out. Thank you. 
like it. You can dance to it. Um, now this band is uh, from Argentina. Argentina, yeah. what else can you tell us about this band? Uh, I can tell you that this EP is actually a, a collection of a lot of different uh, tracks that they've done for compilations. Hmm. Um, some of them were put out on the specialized uh, record series that raised money for uh, teenage cancer. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I know for those songs. That's why I know their covers for sure, because those are cover based uh, uh compilations right. uh, but this this last song i don't know it, it might even be the theme song to a uh a tv show actually i don't know i'll have to look more into that hmm. there's a tv show with the same name and it's a spanish television show oh so, okay so, <laughs> so i don't possibly. know i know so little about that one song in particular uh but i i did really like it and i thought that would be a good way to uh share them with everybody awesome yeah buddy um all right so did we did we even mention who the guest is on the show that we have these yes days? yes but right at the very top but of course we meandered a bit around and oh. we're getting back to it all right so we um this week we have agent j um most notably from the slackers rj why don't yeah. you give us a little bit of like a synopsis of who agent j is and how people oh, might know his work He's a member of the Slackers. I think that's what a lot of people are going to know him from. But he also does a side project called Crazy Bald Head, which he's actually been doing before he was a Slacker. Uh, that's where I first heard of him. I, I since found out that he was a member of the band Agent 99 uh, and the Reggae Lords. Uh, but he also does production for a lot of bands. And he's done uh, records with Stop the Presses. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Boomtown United and uh, scotch bonnets uh just to actually name a very few he, he has quite a good career and everyone who works with him just loves working with them it's almost like talking to uh kind of a an end boss after uh <laughs> interviewing a lot of the bands that we've talked to they brought him up uh it's like him and victor rice i think are the two names that get dropped the most from young bands uh so yeah, uh, so we got to talk to, to Agent J. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, pardon me if I sound too much like a fanboy during this interview. Yeah, so th um, the Slackers recently dropped a um, a, a dub album, dub album. Yeah. sort of remix of their classic songs. What what was the title of the dub classics? Oh, I was. Pretty much right there. Yeah, yeah. I thought you, you said that on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dub cla uh, dub classics of um, uh, slackers songs. Yeah. Um, so um, we're gonna listen to uh, a track off of. Yeah. Uh, it is the song is called "Make Me Dub," and uh, I'm. Do you know what the? Because I feel they're adding the word "dub." Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I'd have to hear it to know. Yeah. Um, so, so this is also uh, featuring Ranking Joe, and yeah. uh, so we're gonna check it out right now. And then when we come back, we'll be talking to uh, Agent J, and uh, from the uh, Slackers. So, right, let's check out this song right now. Come and chill, don't let me see face moon. That was sure when I tell you, I love and I will love on a baby. You went cheap, but I will live a quiver. I'm with this, a baby. Come on down on me, I'll tell the stick around on the clone. Let's keep put it down. I tell the say, Do Baba, 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 do
Jay, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> we are very excited to have you here with us. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we definitely uh, have, I've been delving into your legacy um, the past, you know, week and a half or so since we've known you were coming on. So we're definitely excited to uh, get to talk to you. Thanks. Um, all right. I didn't have to delve. I've been there. I've, I've been <laughs> keeping up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like my legacy is like a kiddie pool. Don't you don't want to delve like too quickly? Into your neck, you don't know? dive too fast. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Do, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna scrape your face. Uh, which I've done that a lot too. Of I've course you have, Matt. 
so you, you are known for a lot of things in the ska, rocksteady, reggae community. And uh, we're going to touch on, uh, you know, some of them. We don't have all day to interview you, obviously. But just let's let's go all the way back and ask, how did you get involved in, in deciding to play this style of music and getting into ska? Really, um, just getting offered a gig. Um, it was just that simple. Like I had heard um, like Fishbone. So I was like into Fishbone at the time. And then like a little before that, I'd heard like Bob Marley and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so was interested in that. And then I had heard little clips, you know, as a kid, like uh, Musical Youth had a hit. And then, on, yeah. you know, like Miami Vice had like some Augustus Pablo dub on like a little brief set. And I was like, what is this, man? I really like reggae. <laughs> and then a friend got me into Fishbone in the late 80s. Um, 89 or so and but I you know I'm like I grew up on 70s rock and 80s rock you know I wanted to be like a rock like punk guitarist or you know whatever and literally a friend um, a mutual friend our friend Delmar introduced me to Dania um, who had been singing a backup singer in the slackers in the very early days and she broke off left or whatever started her own band that was like a revenge band Oh, and wow. she was getting people together and she was super into the selector that was like her main thing pauline black was like a huge influence on her and she was just like trying to get people and um she was like oh do you do you play ska and i you know i i never had, had tried it but i heard it and i could hear what was happening and i was like yeah you just kind of go like that and you play on the on the after beat and i was like yeah i i could do that whatever so literally i just was in the right room at the right time and got offered a gig you know and so really it was like dania you know dania best gave me my first gig and so i, I kind of owe this all of this that i'm still doing now 30 years later to her that's awesome. So was that band Agent 99 then, right? That was Agent 99. Yes, I probably should have laid with that. <laughs> By the way, that is no, uh, that was the first time Miami Vice has been listed as a ska influence on someone. Yeah, it wasn't ska. They had like, although maybe they did, but, you know, it was like mid 80s Miami. And of course, you know, they dealt with a lot of like stereotypes of like sure. the drug business. So, of yeah. course, you have to include, you know, Jamaican drug dealers. And, you know, yeah. there was episodes about that. Yeah. Um, but Michael Mann and whoever, you know, produced the show, mm -hmm. like had always had great taste in music. And yeah. it was one episode I was like, what is this fucking tune? And it was some Augustus Pablo, like King Tubby dub of a Jacob Miller tune. Mm. And it took me years to find the actual tune, not until the early 90s and some compilation that I find. They're actually on the record that had all the A and B sides. And I took a gamble on it. I had no idea what it was. And when I heard it, I was like, this is this tune I've been looking for for like seven, eight years now. And I was like, man, TV shows putting like King Tubby in the soundtrack, you know, that actually happened. So, yeah. <laughs> Miami Vice had some had some good music. Yeah, yeah, and I I think I recently watched the pilot for that and was surprised that there's like a Devo song in it. It's like a Devo yeah. deep cut. It's not even like what single of one right. of theirs. Yeah, and they definitely had yeah they had like all kind of, you know like yeah one starts in in New York actually I think that episode and he's like in the back alley of some club don't they have like some I think uh, like the Stones Miss You is playing or something like that yeah, if I remember I think, so. I think. yeah which apparently the Stones were like a band that you'd hear in the disco in the 80s. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. 
man. Sorry, we're getting way off track here. Yeah. Yeah. This is what why I'm bad at interviews, man. We end up talking about the Stones and disco. Oh no, they, no off topic that. is what we do. Yeah, yeah, you were right on course. <laughs> so you mentioned this. You just started in the ska with this gig with Agent Ninety Nine. What was it yeah. like being in that band? Um, at first, it was chaos because um, it was a very different lineup. There was I'm trying to think who was in the band. My my buddy, um, John Alvarez, I think, was playing drums. And this other cat, Barry, was playing bass. And there was a second singer, Dania's good friend, Gail. Um, so there was two female singers. So they were almost like Sam and Dave, but of ska. You know, oh, wow. so it was a very cool thing that we had going. I kind of I, I forget. It took a minute to boil down to this like tight four piece. Um, and like... I think like a month before our first gig, the drummer quit. And so Dania's brother, Ahmed, uh, took over on drums. And Ahmed went on to other stuff too. He actually went on to be the actor who played, you know, did mostly the voice, but also the action and stuff for Jar Jar Binks in the episode one of the Star Wars. Oh, oh wow. You know, awesome. Saga. Um, yeah. And he's done a bunch of other stuff. He's a music producer, multi-instrumentalist. He's done all this stuff. So he saved us. Um, super proficient drummer, quick learner. So he just picked up all the songs in like a month. I think we had like six or eight to do like a short half hour set. And um, and we did the first gig at ABC No Rio, which is like this DIY, not quite a squat because nobody lived there, but it was like effectively an occupied building that the city just kind of allowed to happen. Um, so we did the first gig there in 93 and then the bass player quit and literally he quit right after the gig and was like, no, I can't do this anymore. It's too much pressure. I'm like, we played in front of 17 people in an abandoned <laughs> building. Like you can't handle that pressure. Like maybe this isn't the right business for you. Um, but luckily on the bill was a band called no commercial value, which went on to be most of the members went on to be choking victim. So mm. Alec Bailey, who just passed away, unfortunately last November, um, he was 17 at the time. I think I was 20 or 21 and he wanted to play sky. He was really into operation Ivy and no commercial value was doing some sky. Like they were already doing ska punk, like this kind of crust ska punk thing. They were already doing that, but he's like, yeah, I want to play what you guys are playing more like, you know, two tone ish post two tone third wave. And so we're like, we need a bass player get in the band. So he, he was already like, after the first gig, it's like, okay, now we got a bass player. <laughs> and then Ahmed had other things going on. So he couldn't do it really past. I think he did four shows or something over the next few months. And I knew Ara, um, we both went to NYU briefly and he was a good drummer. Me and him like jammed once and he was into all kinds of stuff, but um, he was into Fishbone too and grew up in LA and so knew all that stuff um, and was a really quick learner and good chops. And uh, so I just on a whim, I was like, man, he's too cool. He's not going to want to join my little rinky dink band. And I was like, Hey man, we got this thing. We need a drummer. You feel like playing drums again? He was like, fuck it. Yeah. You know? And so that's when that band and, and it was a five piece at that time. And it was, you know, me Alec Bailey and Ara that were the rhythm section behind Gail and Dania. Wow. 
Wow, That's I did a story. Yeah, I did, is that I the did. answer to the question? I forget what you actually asked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I, I asked what it was like to play in that band, and it sounds oh, like that's uh, what it was like to yeah, play in that yeah, band. It was yeah, chaos. It like that's right. Band. That's where I was going. With that. <laughs> I mean, I did not expect to learn that Jar Jar Binks, the yep. actor, was in like a, my a, first gig with Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah that's so. I mean, that's but that's the, like what, that's what. Of course, that's what he's known for, right? You know, but it's like the dude does a million things. Yeah, you know? I, I um, just as as you were talking, I'm like that's so interesting, and because the actor uh, Oscar Isaac, who was in the you know the more recent, was in a scab. He was in a scab. Yeah. I'm sure if you went through the cast of everyone that's like anyone. an extra or a bit character, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna like there's gonna be a lot of embarrassed motherfuckers, like, you know, <laughs> like, like oh yeah, like. No, it's all. It happens, I think man. that's awesome. I mean, those those things are what get me excited about learning about music and stuff, and you know, not only the history, but like the players that sort of like go through the backstory. Scene. Yeah, yeah, the backstory is always what's very interesting. Why I love doing this. So yeah, that's awesome. So uh, it's, I think the first thing that I, I noted of your career that I was like, all right, this is a, this is a guy I need to pay attention to was when I started releasing stuff under the name Crazy Baldhead. How did that project get started? Um, that was at Virgin City, which was this underground studio that King Django had. It was a rehearsal space from the early 90s and Agent 99 rehearsed there and Django's band Skinner Box rehearsed there. That was their rehearsal space and the Slackers rehearsed there. So that was like this ground zero like meeting place for everyone. And it was like one of those cellars off the sidewalk with the metal doors that opened up onto the sidewalk and it was like there was rats down there like sewage backed up into there and so years before he got the recording equipment in 97 from 93 on or whatever that was like even before that he had it as a rehearsal space so it was like a hangout space if you were like hanging out in the east village and running around to bars like you would duck in you would like pre-game in there and drink a 40 then between bars you would go there to like smoke a blunt and then go to the next bar and like so it was like your like clubhouse kind of place you could go and everything's at walking distance. But in 1997, he bought um, recording equipment. I think he had a tune that's a Skinner box tune. I think he licensed to ESPN. I think it made wow. some money off that. And he wisely like wanted to have a label. Like he, you know, idolized like Prince Buster and Coxon and Duke Reed and those guys that had like, they were musicians and producers, but mostly Prince Buster. He was like, he's a band leader, but also has a label, but also has a sound system and, you know, has all this. He wanted to be like that. So he bought, you know, at the time, digital production was happening, it was starting, but still tape was the the actual format, you know. Yeah. And so he bought an eight track tape machine and a Yamaha board and some gear. And we set it up. He showed me how to set it up. And um, then we had started in 95 uh, or 94, I think, rehearsing for Stubborn All-Stars. Um, I think Vic Ruggiero recommended me for that band because there weren't a lot of guitarists, not a lot of Scott guitarists, and almost nobody was trying to play like old style, like Ja Jerry, you know, old style mm-hmm. Scott. And I was like the only guy doing it pretty much besides like Vic. And I don't know if anyone else really. And so they were just like, mm-hmm. yeah, get him in the band. Um, so through that I met Eddie Ocampo he was in the insteps like our band would play together a lot but that was my first time playing with him like we were all in the same room Vic Rice I had seen with the scofflaws but I didn't know him um, 
and Vic, I, you know, us and the slackers played together a lot, but it was like playing with guys like Eddie and Vic Rice, who I really liked. Um, and we had this cool rhythm section. So it was like, okay, we're done with this stubborn thing. Hey, you guys want to get together and record some tracks on the side? And, you know, I just kind of made it up as I went along and, you know, needed a name for it, you know, and like crazy Baldhead, like the expression, you know, it's a Bob Marley song, but the expression is like, kind of like the bad guy, you know? And it's like, we were like, um, you know, like Jamaicans were always cool if you went to like a, a Jamaican party or show, but you know, if you're like the skinhead white guy into reggae, like you're literally, you know, the crazy bald head. You're like, keep an eye on this guy. Like you're definitely like the outsider. So that seemed like a logical name to give the project, you know? Awesome. Wow, that's a really cool story. All right, also very extremely long and <laughs> tedious explanation. No, not tedious at all, no. my friend. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, so uh, what got you more interested in doing like the production side of things other than just being a performer? Like growing up, like I'm born in the early 70s. So it's like growing up on stuff like my dad was into like Pink Floyd and my mom's really into the Beatles. So hearing that stuff growing up gave me an interest in like, recording and like how this stuff happens how does like a band of four guys end up sounding like this and it's like oh you can do all this stuff you know um and so that interested me and then there's a side to that when you get into jamaican music especially hearing stuff from the late 60s on where they're doing so much with so little you know and it is also like guys in a room with like a four track or an eight track kind of just playing with the sounds and seeing what crazy shit they can make happen um, with a few pieces of gear. And so that really interested me also. And like Django was great. Like he, his vibe when we were down there and, and also like Vic Rice and Vic Ruggiero were down there a lot. So the four of us would kind of have this attitude of just like anything goes. Like if we have a song and we have some people in the room, like if you have, Oh, you have this glass. All right, well just bang on that do that and then put some echo on that and do that'll be like part of the skank you know like something that'll just add some weird little sound effect that'll do something in the speakers when you play it at the club you know um so it was a really cool environment of just experimentation and just whatever works like this doesn't work here try putting the mic on the other side of the room and seeing how it sounds or you know you have like some some band I was producing like had like a bar fight scene in one of their songs you know they needed bar fight noises so we like grabbed this metal um like garbage pail and stood around yelling with a microphone over it and like stood around yelling and then like threw our bottles in there to break so it sounded like breaking glass and they were like oh that kind of sounds like an old bar fight you know in like a western or something like that so stuff like that always interested me like you know the the, the fun and the experimentation you could have and like you know, just listening and, and tweaking it to see if it actually sounds like you want it to sound, you know? Yeah. 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 So you've mentioned uh, Vic a few times. So how, how did that lead to you joining the Slackers? Um, you know, we both rehearsed together in the same room a lot. Um, and then we would play together even from 93 on, we would do little weekends upstate, and to Boston, we would play gigs together. We even did this one completely insane tour for like one gig 
we drove from New York to Ashland, Wisconsin, which is like the northern end of Wisconsin. On yeah. Like whatever the fuck lake is out there. <laughs> and it was literally 22 hours each way. We all piled in one 15 passenger van. And it, so we were like one big family, like Agent 99 and the Slackers. Like it was just one conglomeration. And um, so I was around. I would sit in a lot. I would come down. I worked a few blocks away on St. Mark's and the, the studio was on third street. So I would, during my lunch hour, I would like, you know, grab some food and like come by while the slackers were practicing on Tuesday and Thursday and literally just like pick up a guitar for half an hour, plunk along with whatever they were playing and be like, all right, I got to go back to work, you know, and like duck out. And so in 2004, and I even subbed with them in Europe in 2001, Okay. when Vic was going back and forth because um, we were doing a long seven week tour and his parents were very ill. So he didn't want to be away for seven weeks in case something happened. So he went back home after two weeks while he was home, nine 11 happened. So he was able to get one of the first flights out and meet us again, but he was out of his mind, obviously with his family. And then yeah. with that whole thing, the whole world lost its mind. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew a big chunk of their songbook. And in 2004, um, TJ left the band. I was playing with Ari Up from the Slits, and we had just done a six-day tour of the UK and um, Netherlands, which was crazy, and I decided to quit that band and literally just came back and went to sleep, and Dave woke me up at 10 in the morning the next day, like, hey, can you come to Boston with us this weekend? Um, TJ has to miss some gigs, you know, and I literally needed to learn maybe half a dozen songs and that was oh, wow. a probationary substitute gig for like six months and it became permanent. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's you just have, you're having the greatest stories right now. Like all yeah. of these have been so interesting. Like, uh, right. just, yeah, I'm, I'm embellishing heavily, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm like everything you compress time, you compress sure. years. So there's lots of boredom. Sure, in sure. Between all <laughs> but some of the things like quitting Ari's band and joining the Slackers was literally like 12 hours. I think I landed at JFK at like 10 o'clock at night and got the call 10 in the morning. So I was like unemployed from the music business for 12 hours. So <laughs> I think it was, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll, that's, I'll take that's it. Not you know? a, yeah, that's not a bad uh, gig there. Um, yeah, awesome. How did this new uh, dub record from the Slackers come together? I think also like right when I joined the band in 2004, I think they had just put out Afternoon in Dub, which is the first dub record. And it's yeah. more modern tracks from like the, um, what was the EP? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on it. Too. Uh, International War Criminal, yes. stuff from that. It was stuff from weird, like uh, I think it was it was before Peculiar, before Boss Harmony. It was like some other tunes right around that, like two thousand three, two thousand four era. Um, the rhythms they had cut at Noise New York, the Jammyland Studio, but up in Westchester. Um, and so it was like people loved that record, and they were constantly asking for it to be repressed, or if we we're going to do a follow up. And when I looked at it, I was like oh man, there's not really a lot of classic tunes. I think there was like one tune we ended up reading, maybe like You Must Be Good, 
which I think we redid for this one because I didn't realize it was on the first one. That was like the only like classic, like 90s slackers tune yeah. that was like on Afternoon and Dub. And um, from about 2009, 2010 on, I started helping with production. I would do basically like the grunt work of like editing, cleaning up tracks, um, getting rid of like the noise and the, you know, stuff like that so that Vic could do the mixing and wouldn't get bogged down doing the tedious shit. Um, that was like how I looked at my job, like kind of just do the production assistant work. And because of that, I had access to a lot of our recording stuff from self-medication um, and other weird like recordings we were doing around that time. And so I started messing around and doing dubs stuff from Rocksteady Swindle um, and I think around 2010, I remember we went to Japan and I just done a bunch of dubs at home and I brought this like maybe six song like EP to kind of play in the van as we were driving around Japan. Like, hey guys, check this out. And they liked it. It was cool, but it was like just not on the, you know, the list of releases that they were really trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I would keep working on stuff and keep improving my technique and getting more gear. And then around... 2018 i think dave finally gave me copies of they, they transferred a bunch of the two inch tape from the coyote sessions of the late 90s of like the first three four records that were like the oh, classic wow. blackers yeah and he gave me like a hard drive with all this stuff on it so i started messing around then and i moved um once or twice in that period so i would do stuff and i would play it for them and you know they liked the idea and it never quite went through and at some point um, during like the shutdown, we were basically like, okay, the band's kind of our live thing is out of business. We need releases. We need like monthly releases for Bandcamp Friday. So we were, Dave was like digging up every tape of every unreleased version yeah. of stuff. We were editing live shows that were really good or we thought were good and would, you know, put out live stuff. And so basically now he was like, hey, remember that dub record you wanted to do? do it right. um so i really got down to it the beginning of this this last december and i really started crunching it and getting it in there and had it almost done by new year's and right like days before new year's like vic gets back to me and he's like yeah this is cool but you know this one track you really nailed it man it's like the bass sounds awesome like that's what every track needs to sound like. So he's basically telling me like, <laughs> redo everything else. Everything yeah. just did. <laughs> so now this is like the third version of this record. It's now getting re remixed again. And I didn't argue with him. I was like, okay, Vic's involved with it. He likes the idea yeah. and he likes something I did like sounds good. And it's like, you know, it's hitting the mark. I was just like, okay, I got back to it just before new year's and by Mar February 5th, I think I sent in the last mix and um, yeah, we were like, we were there with it. You know, we had, nice. I think ended up with maybe 12 tunes or 13 and we whittled it down to 11 to make it, you know, 40 minutes, like 20 minutes aside, kind of LP yeah. length, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So that is how we got dub classics. I, nice. I, Something you kind of said when you were talking about like the pandemic and the the tour thing sort of went away and like it did for every other band. Um, 
I did notice that um, you guys were constantly, whether you were doing sort of live internet shows or, or, or releases, I noticed the Slackers, and even aside from the pandemic, the Slackers are one of these bands that constantly is touring and, and never seems to take a real big break, at least in the, the last several years that I've pay, been paying attention. It, I guess my the simple way to phrase this is, how do you keep going? Because I, I do know that I, I get, you know, I'm kind of assuming that there are sometimes, especially with live shows, maybe the turnout isn't exactly what you would hope for. And being that, you know, uh, the band has had a, a long history, how do you keep pushing forward with, you know, especially when you hit a roadblock like the pandemic, you know, or maybe not people not turning off to shows like how do you kind of keep going with when you hit those kind of roadblocks? It's it's our job. Like nobody has nobody else has a day job. Like this is it. Like we, mm-hmm. we kind of figured that out. You know, at some point it was like by the early 2000s, it was like, oh, the people were sort of making enough money even before I was in the band where it was like they were scraping by for years. Like from the late 90s, we would tour, you know, I in other bands when I was in Stubborn All Stars or doing King Django or whatever, you know re up i have some side hustles but you know with those bands it was like you would luckily those guys were all like pretty decent with business where we could make some gate money and merch money and you know but it was definitely living tour to tour where you'd come home and after a month of tour and your tour pay you would just hand it to your landlord (laughs) for the (laughs) month you were away you literally just paid for an apartment you weren't even in you know, so you do have to wait for the next tour luck. And at some point you'd be like, Ooh, now I have three months of rent that I'd come back from one month, you know? Right. Um, but this is our job. So there is no other job. And it's like, everyone else goes to work five days a week, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Like they don't get a pat on the back or like, man, you're so hardworking. Like, how do you, don't you ever stop? It's like, no, I need a fucking paycheck. I don't so <laughs> it's the same with us. Like, right. this is our job, you know? Yeah. Um, and fortunately, I have to say, every now and then there's like a dud uh, gig. And, and uh, it's rare that we ever have like a string of duds. Every now and then there's just something where we're just in some town where this, it's just not happening for us. Or the promoter in some country or some region we take a chance on. Sure. I remember once we did a... Midwest, like a, a Canada Midwest thing about, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years ago, where it was like, um, Winnipeg was great. We did like Winnipeg for the first time ever on like a Wednesday. Maybe they had played it like 10 years before, but before I was in the band, but it was like 300 people on a Wednesday. It was great. And we were just going to gig our way out to Alberta where we do really well in Calgary and Edmonton. We usually do like two nights in Edmonton mm-hmm. and Banff and we do well there. We were like, okay, we're going to have to do you know manitoba and right whatever that other province is i think there's another province somewhere in there saskatchewan is there so we're gonna have to do like branford manitoba and regina and saskatoon you know and by the way regina is my favorite those three towns that were just fucking duds man they were like college campus bars that we literally would have like 15 people like three nights in a row we had like 15 people at you know, and that was kind of a bummer. Those 15 people had a great time and we made it fun. And Vic, Vic's an insane person. Like he loves <laughs> those shows with like nobody at them. Cause it's like the, it, the rules go out the window. It's just right. like, like, all right, we're going to play whatever we want. We're going to play whatever you want. 
you know, the set list just gets chucked aside. Like he'll just sit down and tell stories and talk to people. And so he make it fun. But there was that. Um, there was I'm trying to think if we ever had like a real run of the, it was maybe like one of those summer tours, like maybe five years ago in 2016, where like it was festivals happening and people had like just voted for the first Brexit, like, um referendum that happened yeah so everyone was kind of nervous and in between like weekends there were festivals so during the week gigs were kind of duds and people didn't want to spend their money so like that that tour was a little weak once we played in reno to like 12 people half of which were murphy's law so like (laughs) you know but literally i gotta say fortunately the duds in the slackers are like few and far between The, the turnout is almost always good if not packed out it's like always respectable and you know we always come away with money and the club owners are happy yeah i just you know i see some bands that you know would definitely struggle trying to sort of make headway in that sort of same space Mm. and so it's really you have to be strategic about how you play you can't just beat the same you know like beat the same bushes year after year at the same time of year we discovered that like oh if you come to this town every year in october they get lazy they'll go oh i'll just see him next year or whatever you know so we we switched it we like alternated things like a year and a half sure you know switched it like an 18 month cycle and sure enough we had all these people like how come you're not in toledo what happened (laughs) like like oh you didn't come to the last show and now you're complaining we didn't come to your town huh like yeah yeah. so you have to you know dave hilliard our sax player and like the effective like day-to-day manager of the band is really good about that stuff being strategic and shaking up club owners if if they if they think you need their gig then they'll try and lowball you or whatever or like oh you had like six less people than the year before so i'm going to offer you half as much money it's like oh no we're going to play just some other town we're just going to skip your town yeah yeah you have to you have to do shit like that. If people try and lowball you and you'll, all right, we're going to go to your country and we're not going to play your city. Yeah. We had to do that in Brighton a few years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of wisdom. I always kind of wonder like how bands know what cities to go to. I mean, now actually just the way I know Spotify and things work and, and you know, you can see now where you're tracking and all that stuff now, mm. but beforehand it felt like it was probably just a crapshoot of like, well, that's a big city. It's insane, man. <laughs> like I remember, you know, we were, the day where there was technically cell phones. I remember the first story went King Jang with a cell phone, but there wasn't the whole like email network and messaging and all that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, people don't realize like when you were on tour up until like late 90s, early 2000s, up until this century, like you would have to like pull over every so often on the road, find a payphone, call the club, call the club owner. Hopefully he would pick up his phone or the promoter who was some kid who probably was hungover and wasted or doing, you know, whatever. And oh, he didn't pick up his phone. I left a message. Okay, we'll drive another hour and try him again. And hopefully this guy's in his town and the show is still happening and there's no Google maps or whatever GPS or anything. Right. So it's like, we literally have a stack of like, um, atlases, you know, in our old storage space, because you'd get one, 
you take it on tour, use it, put it back in the storage space, meaning to take it on the next tour. You, you'd forget, forget it, it. to buy another one. <laughs> but of course, it's like you don't get all the little detailed side streets in yeah. there. You're yeah. like, okay, I think it's here. I got these directions. It's the third right past the Stuckies, you know, and yeah. then ask Fred. So it's like, are you Fred? You know, so it was like, it was crazy that, you know, you had to know the, the, the circuit, you know, yeah. you had to, you had to talk to other bands. Where do you guys play there? You did this? Yeah. Okay. How much did he pay you? Did he try this? Did he do that? You know, I think somebody put out a handbook like, uh, uh like the book fucking life early yeah. 90s or something yeah. like that, that helped a lot of bands. Um, but it was nuts. I can't even imagine what bands in the 50s, 60s, 70s did, how they managed to do it. And like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's 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 a thing now. It's like bands have no idea now, man. Yeah. <laughs> they have no clue. But yeah, a lot of wisdom in, in that. A lot of good stories. That was awesome. All right. Now back for back on track. <laughs> back, back on track again. <laughs> Oh, I, I always say I was looking back at uh, 2020 and seeing that uh, Crazy Baldhead, you did so many uh, collaborations this year. What led to that amount of output? Was it just the fact that you were stuck at home? home. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was unemployed. Like, so, um, yeah, literally was just like, well, okay, now I can clear my plate of all these things, which of course I hadn't because I took on a lot of additional projects, but a lot of ideas that I had that I was like, well, let me just let me do that idea. And luckily, the the Slackers dub record, a huge one, like mountains of work is done. I wanted to do a record with Dave Hilliard with the Rocksteady 7. I was like, hey, Dave, let's do this thing where like I make the rhythm and you or you and Buford write the horn section and write, you know, so we collaborate. So it's kind of like a Rocksteady 7 with Crazy Baldhead production. Um, so we did that. We did an EP. Um, Rick Faulkner, who was in... New York Scott Jazz Ensemble, and he was in the Toasters before that. Great trombone player and bass player, percussionist, um, really a master of like Scott, Latin music, jazz, classical. And he's a teacher and has a family, lives in New Jersey. I saw him doing, put up some video, like everyone had the video with like six of them, you know, like the Brady Bunch, yeah, yeah, all yeah. like yeah. recording the tune, yeah. multi-tracking it. And he put up some killer like Latin tune he did where he's playing trombone and bass and percussion. And so I just messaged him because we played, I subbed in New York Scott Jazz Ensemble in 98. And he's played in Crazy Baldhead. Um, he's played trombone in the band too. So I just hit him up and I was like, hey man, I saw this thing. This sounds great. Would you want to do like a little EP of like kind of ska and reggae, but you know, you compose the tunes and, and do percussion and, and he played string bass on some of it. And so we did that three song EP. Um, my buddy Patrick, who has a band in Ireland called uh, the Pishogs, um, also grew up a French speaker. So he did a track in French. We did this dub thing. It was like a, you know, Serge Gainsbourg homage um, and uh, a bunch of other stuff. My lady, Danny Tute, we did a version of uh, No Fun, uh, the Stooges tune. We did like a Scott, like a trad ska tune and um, Sean Wheeler from Throwrag. And Sean and Xander, he had he hit me up randomly going, hey, man, I have oh, wow. all these spoken word poems. He's, he's a great poet. And he's like, would you want to come up with some backing music for them? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, you're calling me exactly the right time. So all these weird projects. And luckily, right before um, lockdown happened, I was in Buenos Aires and uh, 
literally in February of 2020. So like a month before COVID hit the U.S. And I did a session with uh, Esteban Descalzo from uh, Los Agrotones. And he's a great drummer and has a studio in his house, really great studio. And so we hung out and jammed and he gave me like a whole reel of all these drum tracks that we kind of came up like drum and bass stuff where I played bass and he just gave me all these drum tracks. So I had all this stuff to work from that provided the backing for all this stuff. So yeah, it was like I had time and everyone else had time <laughs> and ideas and I had drums and, and gear. So we, we just like, all right, let me just get up every day, 9 a.m. And, you know, by late morning, I'm in here and putting in a full day's work. And just if you claim to be an artist, you have to just make art, you know, and just keep doing it. Even if it's not the best thing, do, do your best, be done with it, do something else, try and get better each time, you know? Yeah. That's very inspiring. Uh, so you've worked with a lot of uh, young up and coming bands like the Scotch Bonnets and Stop the Presses and Boomtown United. What's that experience been like, kind of like helping out these these younger cats? I find it educational because almost always I'll hear something they're doing that I'm like, man, I should be doing that. Or I used to do that. Why don't I do that anymore? <laughs> like, I love seeing bands that are like enthusiastic and they're all like in it. They're like, yeah, man, we have all these songs. We're going to have fun. We're going to like record this stuff. I'm going to make this noise and play this thing. And like, you could hear what they're listening to and they're all, and you're like, Oh man. Yeah. Like I miss that band experience. <laughs> like we have that in the slackers, but it, for years it, it got very like business, you know, we're on the yeah. clock. All right. We have two hours in rehearsal. We have to learn this set and you know, whatever. And fortunately it's actually getting back to that, but that's the thing. It's like hearing the enthusiasm of young bands and also definitely musical ideas where you know you hear what bands are doing right um definitely working with uh stop the presses producing their record they just put out i forget what i don't think they actually called it stop the presses i think they called uh, it money stop. in the bank money in the bank um uh ali colada is the band leader and the front woman um and the stuff she does like and her and danny her husband they really think about um obviously like the vocals, but like backing vocals, but they really pay attention to the accompanying parts, the little keyboard licks, the little guitar licks that like they'll, will record them separately. So it sounds like they're kind of just little noodles, but as the tune comes together, they all interconnect. And it's like, oh man, they really thought out every detail, every note of this track. They really thought about it and worked it out. And I, for me, that was like, something I really tried to work into my last full length go Oasis, really try and work on developing the accompanying parts, the little details that it's like, okay, we have a rhythm, we have melody, you know, but it's those other little details that catch your ear that like people sing along to, you know, where it's like they sing the lead part, but then they automatically go into the backing vocal part and then they sing the little organ part, you know, and then they hum the drum fill and air drum to it. And it's like, you have to think those details out. Um, occasionally they're totally spontaneous. If you have an amazing band that clicks that hard, but usually on records, that stuff is thought out in detail. So stuff like that um, really impresses me and teaches me, you know? Awesome. What advice would you give to like up and coming coming bands? Um, you know, whether it's touring or songwriting, but like 
you know, there's a lot of bands that I think are excited right now to get back out there after a whole year of, you know, not being able to tour and do stuff. And I feel like there's a lot of energy in the, the ska scene overall right now. But what advice would you give to up and coming bands? Burn your ships. You know, if you're going to conquer or whatever that is, whatever your definition of succeeding is, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, go, oh, well, I'm going to do this till I graduate college. Then I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do this on the weekends when I have off or my one week a year when I have vacation, we'll go on tour and you have to like do it. Um, right. We, You know, everyone I know from the scene, like in New York, like now some people have families and stuff, but at the time we just like lived in like tiny shitty apartments and we lived gig to gig and tour to tour and like none of us are millionaires. Like we still, you know, we're all about 50 and we're still like, you know, tour monkeys for lack of a better word. We still have to gig to make a living. Um, So I don't know if that's a lot of people's definition of success, but um, you have to, you have to know what success means and you have to let each gig build on the next, on the one before it. A lot of bands kind of keep playing the same venues, keep playing the same parties, keep doing the same tours and expect magically to have a bigger crowd each time. You have to be strategic. You have to take chances. You have to, you know, write kind of, you have to get naked in your lyrics and in your playing and you have to kind of, um, you know, you can't play it safe. You have to challenge the listener. You have to challenge your own performance. Uh, but yeah, you got to live it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's great advice, you know, cause like that's one of the things, you know, we, you know, I know, you know, there's some cross you know, artistic expression when it comes to podcasting and and music, you know, in the sense of like, you know, we create a thing uh, along with other people and stuff like that. So it definitely is like, you just have to decide what is the level of success that you're, you want out of something. And then, you know, if you're, if you're like you said, if you're only putting in weekend time, then that's, then that's the level of success and be happy with that. Yeah. If, if and you... some people want, they just want a weekend fun gig. Yeah, they don't want it... more than yeah. that. I, I ask bands, you know, it's like, what would happen? Like if I'm producing a band's record, what would happen if magically this blows up? Mm-hmm. A song gets in a commercial or becomes like a theme for a TV show or something happens with it. Somebody samples it and has some huge thing with it. And now yeah. everybody wants you on their show you know, you're doing Jimmy Kimmel or whatever the fuck. And are you ready to quit your jobs? Are you ready to like say goodbye to your girlfriend or fiance or wife for like six months? And, you know, you see a lot of people like, uh, what? (laughs) Like, and you're like, okay, you're not, you're not ready for success. So what are you trying to achieve with this? Are you just trying to make a cool record and get known on the scene and play some gigs and play some ska fest, which is, totally a fun thing to do yeah. and that's totally fine if that's what you want to do but you got to know that's what you want to do i quit a band years ago with my friends it was super fun to play and we had this band called reggae lords and um it was the same thing i kind of asked them at some point we were like not gigging that much nobody else was gigging but we were still rehearsing every week and it was really fun and i was like okay well can we at least commit to playing like one gig a month like around town and like people in the band couldn't even commit to that mm-hmm. and i was like 
you know, I didn't tell them at the time because I didn't want to bum people out or create any weird divisions. But in my head, I was like, after the next gig, I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the rehearsal and the jam session, right. but I can't donate one night a week to a band that isn't sure. going to gig. You right. Know? right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think for us and I think for, you know, I always think like as long as you're making steps forward, like there's no especially now for like RJ and I who are like in our 40s, you know, as long as we're making steps forward and there's growth, I always feel like that's a good thing too. Yeah. And some Um, things are like a sustained thing where it's like, okay, as long as we're out gigging and making a living, that's like a victory. If you're, if you're somehow making a living from your art or if it's providing you just some sense of like peace and like, it's helping you work out the stresses of stuff that makes you happy you know, we shouldn't judge success financially. Unfortunately, we need money to pay rent, sure. yeah. but we shouldn't just monetize, you know, art or our ideas or this, you know, things like this. It's like, oh, are you going to have to like sell advertising for your podcast yeah. to be successful? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it's cool, if people enjoy it. If you guys enjoy it and it does, it does what it needs to do. Yeah. That's a success, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I get to talk to Matt about Sky each week, and then on days like today, we get to talk to you, which is uh, extra bonus. Like, and my pleasure. Likewise, it's fun. It's fun being asked these questions because a lot of times I don't think about them, and so yeah. it forces me to like, well, shit, how do I feel about that? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, is yeah. that good advice? Like, I definitely sometimes tell like, you know, people ask like, what's your advice? And I'm like, am I one to give advice? Like, I get by, but. I'm not like, you know, a record mogul and I, there's no, you know, there's no gold records on those walls. So it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm the one you want to base your success or take advice from somebody like me. So that's something I have to think about too, you know? Uh, speaking of advertisements, Pepno Bismol for all your diarrhea. <laughs> Jesus, Matthew. <laughs> Sorry, unfortunately, it was the only thing I could think of to make the joke. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I, we have people have mentioned like us doing sponsors. Like you should reach out to this, this. Yeah, I've just I. When I listen to pod, it's been a choice because when I listen to podcasts, I hate like in the middle of a conversation, they like take a break and it like throws me off. I can stand right. it. It's like the beginning or the end or whatever, but that's not where they like them. They like them sort of right. spread throughout. And I, I hate it's it. It's weird. You know, if it gets you more viewership, like, oh, we'll put you on this channel if you allow commercials and yeah. you'll get 10 times the number of listeners or like, yes, we're getting this amount of money that we could buy better gear for the podcast. Yes. You know, you sort of understand the, the, Yo, sure. I, I see bands that have done like the sponsored tours yeah. and it's like, yeah. okay, you have to have this banner with your band name and whatever Budweiser or yeah. something. Yeah. And, but it's like, okay, if they're guaranteeing you come home from that tour with money or they're going to pay for your gas yeah. or whatever it's that's kind of hard to turn down so yeah. i don't i don't judge people if they have to make oh sure you know? i just like i'm mostly stating like why i've never tried to seek it out simply mm, yeah be, simply because i hate listening to it so i just it's one of those Likewise, things like yeah like i just i don't want to hear commercials so i you know yeah. so that's why like the patreon route seemed to be a, a good choice for us yeah so well we appreciate you hanging out with us. And yeah. uh, so, but before we go, as always, we have uh ska picks of the week. Um, Jay, why don't you tell us about your ska pick? 
Um, I mean, it's the Scatolites. So for me, I mean, that's ground zero. I mean, that really is for everybody ground zero of ska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, there's a million great um, Scatolites tunes, but I love the like minor key ones. For me, that's ska. People, some people like the vocal ska, the more bouncy, you know, uh, like more rhythm and blues driven, like vocal hook ska things like toots or, you know, uh, blues busters whatever like um but for me the minor key scatolites ones and i don't know who wrote this one don drummond or i think uh tommy mccook writer might have written it um it might it might be um a soundtrack or something from a, a, like an american or british film or something like that hmm. but i think tommy mccook wrote it and um the beat too you hear like a lot of snare action which is what what they call the Buru beat, which I think was sort of a variation of the Bolero. And they kind of, you know, gave it like more of a bounce and more of a dance bounce to it to, to adapt it to ska. And it became known as the Buru. Um, and it just has this great beat and it just has this like, kind of like this drone. It almost sounds like, you know, like an army of orcs, like marching, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But like funky orcs, you know. Uh, but I don't know. I just love that tune. And like, for me, it's like, like definitely one of my desert Island Scott tracks. It's like, if I had to play what ska music is for somebody like met an alien somewhere, you know, right. in outer space, it'd be like, this yes. is ska, regardless yeah. of what <laughs> anybody else tells you. Yeah. This is ska. All right. Let's check it out. soulful right mm. here it's coming in yeah ah, i like I mean, that you hear like jazz you know yeah. all over it you know, yeah like yeah Coltrane yeah. and all that stuff all over it yeah that's awesome it's definitely yeah it's definitely a good ex- example of what sky is uh, it's, no, a, it's classic yeah no doubt there uh, I mean, that's that's the scatolites not no doubt yeah <laughs> <laughs> anywho um so my ska pick for this week, um, I decided to go back to an album that I know I loved, and I actually know RJ loves. Um, I'm not sure I would say I would love it over this band's first full length, but I think... Are we talking about it? You were listening to Goldfinger again? No, no, we are not. Oh, all right. Uh, this is Say Ferris uh, ah. from their 1999 album, Modified, and... You know, this this album overall probably turned into more of a power pop punk. That's a very poppy album, yeah. Yes. Um, 
but uh, you know it definitely has very strong ska songs on it as well uh and this is one of them it's called your friend i don't wanna have to be your friend i'm so tired of trying to be your friend i don't wanna have to be your friend no definitely uh love monique's vocals on this song and on this album all right too bad they never did anything else after this album um <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry <Matthew>. sorry <laughs> oh. i'm sorry they did they they put out a lovely yes uh more i think when what did when year did that ep come out the more um checkered past i think it was 2017 Four years ago yeah, i think it was 2017 um and uh, I know they recently had a, uh, they also put out, um, obviously with a, a slightly newer lineup, but they put out uh, that Bradley Knoll um, Sublime Tribute album, I forget what the name of it is, um, they they did a version of uh, Santeria on it, so. Uh, the house that Bradley built, I believe. Yes. Uh, all right. RJ, tell us about your Scott pick. My Scott pick comes from a band out of Madrid. They're called the Magnetophones, and this is one of their songs called uh, Springtime. It's the B-side off their single, Big Mama. All right, let's check it out. Yeah. If you look at me with your eyes, my thighs and food so food. song to dance to i like how it just begins with that boom boom like right at the yeah beginning. it hits you <laughs> yeah i like yeah, that. i wonder who's in that band we know we play madrid a lot and i'm sure you know like uh you probably know some of the people you know i'm trying to think who that like the upsteamians i'm sure some of them probably ended up in that band or at least friends with those guys you know <laughs> yeah i'm not exactly sure when's that from actually. that's just from or? uh 2019 oh, all right yeah metaphones yeah magnetophones oh. yeah Awesome. They're fun. 
Awesome. Well, Jay, thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me, man. We, we appreciate it. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, keep listening to Scott Music. You've been listening to On the Upbeat. The On the Upbeat theme music is written and performed by Millington. Make sure you follow them on Instagram at Millington the Band. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at On the Upbeat Ska. Be sure to check out our Spotify playlist, Ska Favorites. It features all the songs heard on the show. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to support On the Upbeat financially, visit www.ko-fi.com slash On the Upbeat. Thanks for listening and supporting On the Upbeat. RJ, you changed what you said. I know. I'm sorry. You're throwing I off said my ska music. Just not li- keep listening to ska. I added a word. I'm the worst. The world is coming to an end. <laughs>